All right, you can be seated. Well, my name is Miguel. Yeah, a few of us are doing some double dutying today. Um, so grateful for you, John. Um, just great. It's so good to be together with in one service. Um, to I feel the warmth already, and not just physical warmth, but um, spiritual warmth. There seems to be resonance, you know, a spiritual resonance here. So, um, yeah. Our church is, is not as small as we might think, right? <laughs> when we gather, we're all gathered here in one service, sometimes it, you know, that's part of the reason why we got together is like, hey, we want to remind people we're, we're not alone here. Um, so, yeah, we, we've been walking through 1 Corinthians, and it's my honor and privilege to, to bring um, the message today. We're going to be uh, talking about uh, the spiritual gifts and particularly tongues and prophecy. Two easy topics, right? But we've been holding, we've been holding out for a long time for this. Um, we've been intentional about uh, trickling these things out, um, slowly sharing, because there's so much to say. Uh, and if you've noticed in the lobby, there's a table with some resources. I highly encourage you to go check those out, especially if you have questions. There, some, of, some of the resources are thin, some of the, them are thick. Um, it all worth your time. So there's nothing better than you can do to um, increase your, your, your understanding of the gifts than to dive into them with some of those resources. Grab a friend, you know, check those out. I also invite you to come to our Wednesday night Gospel Academy where we will be practicing some of these gifts together. So uh, yeah, so there's not going to be enough time today to cover in, thir- in like thoroughness everything about tongues and prophecy. But um, I hope that, you know, at least we can get a little foretaste and an appetizer of something that's really good. So um, last week we were in 1 Corinthians 13 and uh, Pastor Paul, he reminded us that love is the most important thing in the life of the church. Uh, We could be doing all the right things, right? Um, You could be playing bass and then getting up here and preaching. I could be saying all the right things. I could be teaching all the right things, all of us, but if we do them without love, it is nothing. And it's a sobering idea for us. And I was challenged uh, this week to think about my own life. Um, What are my reasons, Miguel? What are my motives for my activities? Uh, Is Jesus... Love, is his love my motivation right now in this moment? How about for yourself? As we are sitting here, is Jesus our first motivation? It's such a great setup for um, these gifts, uh, tongues and prophecy. So uh, let's turn in our Bibles to uh, chapter 14 in 1 Corinthians. And it's going to be 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 25. Woo! It's a long passage, (laughs) so I'm going to need some water by the end, (laughs) but let's read it together. Uh, Yeah, so pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For, yeah, oh yeah, we can all read it actually. Yeah, for no one understands him. I lost my place. I'm sorry. Um, verse 3. Verse 2. <laughs> Let's start on verse 3. On the other hand, 
The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. For the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes. How will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise in my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. It's all, sorry. <laughs> Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying. For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. In the law it is written, By a people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers." If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and an outsider or an unbeliever enter, they'll they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Amen. This is God's word. Amen. Would you pray with me as we dive in? Uh, Lord, we, uh, we want to be uh, zealous for the gifts that you have uh, given us. We want to pursue them with love, God. And um, 
we want to do that to build your church, Lord. And uh, yeah, so Father, help us to fall in love with you today. Um, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to, um, to be among us, God. We know that you are active and alive, and we ask that you would move among us, just as this passage says. Um, would you restore and redeem our thinking uh, about tongues and prophecy, God? Maybe we've had bad experiences, Lord. Um, I pray that it would be a redemptive uh, understanding that we gain today. And we pray that you would build us up, God. Um, you are good and, and you are here now. Um, I pray for, for me as I share these things, Lord, help me to be uh, speaking the words that you want me to speak, God, not my own, not my own opinions, Lord, but uh, may they be uh, the things that you want for the encouragement of us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Whew, long passage, but yeah, it was good. It was good to hear everybody's voice reading it together, or most of us. Um, all right, so uh, I'm going to break it up here. We're going to start at the top. The first five verses, Paul is basically comparing tongues with prophecy. But before that, I just want to say, you know, let's, let's put up that verse, that first verse where Paul commands people. It's actually a command um, it's the next, yeah. So it says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So after Paul's amazing, amazing speech of love, right, he doesn't, he doesn't do away with the gifts. He doesn't say, oh, therefore, stop teaching, stop tongues, stop prophecy. No, he actually says, hey, pursue the gifts, especially that you might prophesy. Be zealous for them. I love that word. Uh, if you can skip to the, to the next slide, G. Uh, up to this point, what, what have the Corinthians been zealous for? Do you remember what they were bragging about early in their chapters? Their cliques. Yeah. They were zealous that, oh, I'm, you know, I'm with Apollos, and I'm from Peter, and I'm from blah, 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 blah. Not only that, they were boasting about the sexual immorality that was going on, right? So they've been zealous about other things. But Paul, in his great love and his great wisdom, he's redirecting that zeal. And he's encouraging them to be zealous for something that can actually build up the church body. If we can skip to the next, uh, next one, G. Um, it should be something about zeal. Um, so zeal is this wonderful word that means uh, there's a great energy or enthusiasm or pursuit of something. And um, yeah, how, we all have zeal for something, right? And this, this week I was, I, was, I was thinking about my own zeal, like what am I zealous for? Well, a lot of it's music, you know, and, and so I've been asking God, how can you redirect my zeal from music for the things that edify you? So... Yeah, so uh, Paul gives permission to have zeal for the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. And zeal is this thing that um, it, it, there's an enthusiasm about what, uh, you know, that surrounds this, this idea. So, um, yeah, how many of us would say, are we zealous for the spiritual gifts in this congregation? Like, right, it's kind of a, it's something that we don't really pursue. But, hey, Paul has given us permission. You have permission to be zealous for the spiritual gifts, all right? Um, 
So Paul is, is contrasting tongues and prophecy. I just want to reread the first five verses here. Uh, number, uh, verse 2, For the one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks for their up, to, to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who, pro- not, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So Paul is basically saying, hey, tongues is one speaking to God and edifies oneself. So that's actually helpful, right? But on the other hand, prophecy speaks to people. And, uh, I, and I love these three words that, that Paul uses. He kind of, he, he defines the purpose and the fruit of prophecy, which is for upbuilding, for encouragement, and for consolation, right? The gift of prophecy, how many of us have not seen this when we've observed prophecy outside? You know, this has generally not been the case, I think, for me. Um, but only in the recent years, I think God has redeemed this gift and has shown me, hey, this, you can experience these three things. And I love this little uh, icon that, that um, I, have, I have up there because it's, it's a little heart and a person inside a house. And so um, building up. Um, that's, that's part of it. So um, let's pause here for a little moment and, and talk about these three words. So the first one is upbuilding. And, and that's, it's actually this picture of building a house, literally oikos. Oikos was the house. It's oikodomain. So it's like to build the house. Um, it's, it's some kind of construction, uh, a spiritual strengthening, a firming up of the foundations, um, I love that. The second uh, word that Paul uses is encouragement. How many of you are encouragers in this room? How many love to encourage others? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, so this word is actually the same word for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called the paraclete. And this, this is just the verb version of that, parakletos. So, um, uh, so, yeah, it's, it means to come alongside of somebody, right? So this, this gift of prophecy, how wonderful it is that not only are you firming the person up, you also come alongside them, and it's actually God's Spirit that's coming alongside them. Um, the last one is this word consolation. Uh, not constellation like stars, but co- to console. Um, so this is actually the, the word for to help somebody who is depressed or in grief. It is the strengthening of the weak or this word of alleviation, right? So isn't that amazing about this gift? And I think we have to ask ourselves, if this is the gift of prophecy, why are we not practicing it, right? Um, Why are we not deliberate or zealous to practice it, Uh, when we've been, been given permission. So tongues is helpful for the edification of oneself, uh, unless there's someone to interpret, which he says in verse 5. Um, but the purpose of all the gifts are to build up the church. So let's go to the next uh, four verses, verses 6 through 11. It says, Now brothers, and it should be brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues... 
How will I benefit you unless you bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. And it talks about, goes on to say, you know, how every language has meaning. So this, I, I love this passage because it gets to talk about one of my favorite things in the world, which is music and instruments, right? Um, and you can, you can interact with me a little bit. Yeah. There you go. Um, how many of you all like instruments? Yeah. I know Cody for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so fun, right? And we get to dive into to this. Um, so with instruments, Paul is saying like, hey, there's no, there is no uh, benefit unless there is some kind of clarity. And, and he starts by saying, hey, Paul, Paul did a good job of this last week, but the reason the word gifts are better for the edification is because we can understand them, right? Revelation and knowledge, uh, prophecy, a teaching, those things are great. They are word-centered gifts. But, um, and, then, and then Paul goes into to talk about uh, the, these instruments, right? And I love that he gives this metaphor of a battle, right? He talks about, first he talks about the flute or the harp. Okay, yeah, that's a beauty thing, right? That's more of a, uh, a, a beautiful thing. But the bugle is now in the context of war, right? Um, and I don't think it's a surprise that Paul is talking about spiritual warfare when he talks about you know, the power of clarity, and especially the power of gifts. Um, he says in uh, verse, let's see, verse 8, if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, if you, if you can't hear it, if you don't understand what it's saying, who will get ready for battle, right? So I wonder if with prophecy, there might be things that God wants to communicate to us about spiritual warfare, and maybe not directly, but, uh, you know, um, if these are, if this is God giving a distinction, a distinct note, I wonder, you know, if we could use that, right? Like, uh, I think of King, King David in the Old Testament, how he, before he would go uh, to fight, he would pray to God. He would say, God, do you want me to go fight? And sometimes he'd be like, yeah, I'll be on your side. And sometimes he would ask again, and he'd be like, mm-mm, now's not the time, you know? So, um, and how, how, how important is, is this for, for us? Um, sometimes in war, you know, uh, the bugle was one way that the, the trumpet, and, and I have the shofar down there, yeah. That's like the old, old school trumpet, like old school. <laughs> um, it was like a horn of a, a ram that would be hollowed out and, um, they they do, but sometimes they have used drums in the past, which I love. That's one of the reasons why I love drums. Drums is not only an instrument of beauty, but it's actually an instrument of war also. And there's all these rudiments about how uh, certain patterns mean advance, certain patterns mean retreat. Um, and so um, I love that Paul is bringing us into this because maybe in the usage of gifts, God is giving us. A little more clarity for the battle, that the spiritual battle that we oftentimes find ourselves in, which is a daily thing for every person. So clarity brings together, right? 
And I love this emphasis of, uh, of unity. Um, Paul says, we don't want to become strangers to one another. Uh, in the battle, we want to move in sync with each other, right? If in the battle there's somebody out there, it's the easy target, right? We want to move in sync. Uh, part of the, the gifts is that we remain unified. We don't want to be vulnerable for attack. Uh, let's, let's move on to the next, next five verses, verse, starting with verse 12. So, you, so with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. And we, we covered this, but I just want to clear that manifestations uh, doesn't mean like uh, what we might think it is. It just means God is revealing something. He's gifting something. We, we equated that to the gifts. If God is, um, if we are eager for the gifts is another way to say it. Um, strive, for, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll pray with my mind also. I'll sing praise with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my mind. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in a position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words with a tongue. So again, Paul is repeating this idea of, hey, the gifts are meant to build up. Uh, they're not meant to isolate. So, and he gives some instructions here in these four verses, uh, instructions for tongues. You're supposed to, if you have the gift of tongues, you're supposed to pray for clarity. Uh, sometimes that's for yourself, and sometimes that's, that's for others. So, um, and, then, and then Paul, Paul in, 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 in this passage, he gives an example. And he says that when somebody gives thanks out loud, it actually gives the, the hearer the opportunity to agree with your thanksgiving. So we, one of the things that we, we do in our, and I learned this from my friend, um, he, he taught me, hey, let's just start our, when we do our Thursday night rehearsals and Sunday morning, we just start with Thanksgiving. We say, hey, what are you thankful for today? Uh, this is one thing that helps create unity, right? And we've started to do that in our prayer time 30 minutes before. We just say, hey, what, what's something that you're grateful for today? And the purpose of that is for us to hear the things that the other people are thankful for and us to come into agreement with them, to say amen, right? It's a good thing. And so Paul's saying, hey, if you're speaking in tongues and it's this wonderful praise, make sure, you know, you say it in, in a language that's intelligible so that other people can praise with you and be thankful with you. Um, one of the, the expressions that I love in a lot of churches, which I hope maybe one day our church will grow into is this interaction between the teacher and the rest of everybody. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, hey, repeat this. Um, I love that because it's, it's, yeah, amen. Because it shows that you're listening. It shows that you're not like, oh, I, I wrote down here. I, I realize that this is a challenge for those internal processors, right? Because Paul wants you and maybe God wants you to say amen if you hear something that you agree with, right? Um, 
Amen. Yeah, it's good. And sometimes it goes too far, right? <laughs> Stop. No, no. No, but I just think it's good. It's, it's good. It's like, it doesn't even have to be amen. It could be like a mmm or a whoo or what, you know. Um, but the point is, is like, hey, when we're sharing things to encourage one another, hey, let me, I'm going to acknowledge what you put out there and receive that. Um, yeah, like Nicole was encouraging me to, to think about some things over here. And I told her, like, yeah, I receive that. I know, I know it's hard for me to receive, Nicole, but I receive it, you know. Um, she, I acknowledged to her, I'm listening to you, you know. Um, and, and Paul emphasizes that instruction is more profitable than tongues, even though he speaks in tongues. Now, are we going to throw out the baby with the bathwater in terms of tongues? No, because Paul actually says later in the chapter, do not forbid speaking of tongues. So how does this work? Um, yeah, so I have in, in here is uh, our brother Tom. Tom, would you mind raising your hand? Oh, yeah. If you, that's it. Actually, you got the same slant from my angle on your, on your head. Um, so Tom and I, this is a picture. We went to uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and we, went, we spent uh, three days in the Evangelical Free Church, which is our denomination's. They have a word and spirit learning group, and we practiced some of these gifts together. Um, what's amazing about that is we have this like national rooting also, so we're not just going off and doing crazy things. Um, but I, I, we have had conversations about the gift of tongues, and, and I love Tom's expression of tongues. He's, he's a guy, just talk to him after the service. Like get, surround him and ask him questions about this topic. Um, he is great at interceding for people. Um, he loves people. And so sometimes what he, he does, and you shared with me, is before, so if somebody is in need of prayer and they come to Tom for prayer, sometimes what he will do is he will pause and he will ask God, hey, is there anything you want me to pray for specifically? And sometimes he'll pray in tongues quietly and to himself. And, uh, and sometimes uh, after that, he'll pray for the person in English. And um, what he's described to me is that sometimes that moment of praying in tongues before praying in English helps him to think about, you know, what it is that he might want to pray. And sometimes he's even shared, maybe that's the interpretation of the tongue is the, the intercession. Um, I think that's a wonderful uh, usage of this, this gift. There's no forcing. There's no weirdness. Just a holy pause before interceding for somebody and then a focused intercession with the help of God, right? Because a lot of times we can intercede for people, but maybe it's, maybe it's our agenda and not God's agenda that we want to intercede and the, and the content of our intercession. Um, another person who, who, who uh, I talked to about uh, tongues, and all these are people on the, on the prayer team at Solano, is uh, our brother Theo, uh, Theo's a little different. How many of you know Theo? He just, he went recently back to his homeland, yeah. But uh, that's a picture of us, and that's Martin's tongue, but also, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> different kind of tongue. <laughs> um, but what he shared with me is that for him, tongues is a moment to recharge. And by that, what he, what he was uh, describing is like, you know, ministry and life in general is a lot of us pouring out, right? We're giving of ourselves. We're giving of the resources that God has given us. And sometimes what he would say, he's, he, would, he, he described it as his battery being drained. Zach, you're going to love that. 
Um, <laughs> Zach's working on batteries or um, something like way, way more complex. Yeah, but <laughs> um, uh, it, yeah, tongues for him is, the, is a morning practice where he reads his scripture, he, he prays in tongues, and he finds, like, like Paul says in this in passage, it builds him, him, himself up. It recharges his battery. And, um, and so that makes him prepared and ready to then serve and love others. Um, and then also Brenda, who's, you're here too. I saw you earlier, Brenda. Hey, yeah. Brenda's back there. She's on the prayer team too. Um, she said, she said, when I'm not sure how to pray, I appeal to uh, God with, in this heavenly language. You know, so she asks God, hey, teach me how to pray, Lord. Um, show me what you want me to say to this person in this specific time. And I think those are wonderful expressions of, of tongues. And they're not weird. You know, they're actually really good. So let's move to the next uh, three verses. Uh, verse 20. Uh, let's read this together. Brothers, don't be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues... And by the lips of foreigners, I will speak, speak to this people. Even then, it, and even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are a sign for believers. Uh, excuse me. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter. Will they not say that you are out of your mind? Um, so this is a little tricky, tricky um, section here. Uh, but, but basically, Paul is encouraging maturity, right? He says, stop being like children. That's why the name of this sermon title is Grow Up to Build Up. Uh, stop being like children. You know, stop thinking that you need to show off this gift of tongues. Uh, it's not helpful, um, one of the functions of, oh, excuse me, um, yeah, Paul is encouraging maturity, which, which in, the, in the Greek, it's this word teleos, is the, the wholeness, um, growing up into, into maturity and Christ-likeness. And uh, maturity, immaturity, is uh, when we are immature, we exclude other people, Right? But, but maturity shows this, this holy inclusion. Um, yeah, I, th I think of like kids on the playground or the cliques, you know, that the Corinthians were having. They were immature in their thinking. They were isolating one another from, this, from, from, from God being among all of them. Um, but Paul is saying, hey, grow up. Uh, be mature. Hey, when, when you see another brother or sister, Include them. How can you include them in certain ways? Uh, and that, that is to say that um, tongues was isolating people. And then he goes into this, this really interesting um, quote from Isaiah chapter 28. So he quotes, the quote is, By a people of strange tongues and the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So when it says that tongues is a sign for judgment, that basically is like, uh, and he quotes this. So this, this prophecy in Isaiah was to Israel that God was saying, hey, I've been trying to love you. Um, yeah, he says, 
I've been trying to love you. I've been sending my prophets. I've been sending my messengers so that you would be obedient. But you don't want to listen. You don't want to listen. So what he says is like, eventually you're going to be in exile. And you're going to be in a foreign land with people who don't speak your language. And that is the sign of judgment that you are going to receive. Does that make sense? So, so when we, as, if, if we were to practice tongues and isolate others, we're basically kind of doing the same thing. But really, tongues was meant for unity. And, 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 and what do I mean for that? Um, we don't want to have people think they're, that we're crazy. <laughs> um, maniacs. That's the, yeah, the being mad. Um, and so, so tongues was actually meant in originally for unity. And um, if you were there a couple weeks ago, Tom uh, taught on this. It was wonderful. I don't know if you've thought about this, but tongues was originally designed for the unity of everybody. What do I mean? The first time that tongues happens in the New Testament. Uh, oh, let's just go to Babel. Let's do it. We got a little bit of time. So the, the dispersion of the languages happened early in Genesis, right? People tried to make a name for themselves, and they built this city and this tower. And God, does like, God said, no, you know what? This is too much power for humans to be unified like this. I'm going to scatter their languages. When, this, when the Holy Spirit comes, after Jesus has been raised, and he promises the Holy Spirit, the first thing that happens is at Pentecost is people receive the, the, the Spirit in tongues of fire, and they hear each other in their, in their original languages. The diaspora, or the scattered people, um, have come to the temple to worship God, and then they hear each, they, they each hear the, the wonders of God in their own language. That is the, signi- the signific- this, uh, signifying of the unity that is being created within the church. So that's the first time. The second time that, that tongue- tongues happens in the New Testament is this guy named Cornelius. Do you remember Cornelius? Yeah, he's, a, he's like a centurion, I think. Yeah, he's a high-ranking uh, Roman uh, official. Yeah, and he's a, what we would call a Gentile. So not only has the gospel reached the Jews, the, the diaspora, they've been brought back to, but it's also now going to the Gentile um, Cornelius. And then the third time it happens is this group of Samaritans, which, you know, they were kind of considered a mix of Jew and Gentile, Assyrian blood in there. So um, I think that that's a really wonderful thing when we think about tongues, you know. And unfortunately, we've seen so many caricatures of tongues and so much bad um, but I think God may even want to redeem that for us. Like, we want to make room for him. So um, we, want, we don't want to exclude the visitor when they're in. And some of you might be visiting today. So, um, uh, yeah, so, so then Paul talks about the power of prophecy in visitors. And, and so this is, I hope it's not, uh, yeah, I'm just going to read it. Uh, verse 24 but if all prophesy, this is about the, 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 the person who's a visitor, and they come in. If they're speaking in tongues, they're like, yo, y'all crazy, I'm out of here. But, verse 24, but if all are prophesying, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, and he is called to account by all, and the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face... He will worship God and declare that God is really among you. 
So this is an amazing thing where um, one of the functions of prophecy, of the gift of prophecy, is that the Holy Spirit can pierce a hearer, a visitor, in a way that brings about repentance, right? Um, and, and that word is scary a little bit, right? Repent. Well, it actually says that it's God's kindness in Scripture. God's kindness that leads us to repentance, right? Doesn't that change the tone of repentance? It's not just like, oh, you're... It's like, hey, my child, you've been walking this way. Turn around. I got better things for you. That's the heart of repentance. So um, unlike tongues which alienates, uh, prophecy, the, the fruit of the gift of prophecy, is that it can actually bring people to repentance. So um, this happens when that revelation, that word that we receive, discloses somebody's motives, somebody's reason, the sin that they might be in, and falling on their face is the sign of like, oh, all right, God, you spoke to me. Clearly, there's something that you know, like you see me, God, and, and you're here. And I love that Paul, you know, in verse 25, the, you know, he says that this person will worship God and declare that God is among them. And how, I don't know about you, but like, I want to know that God is among us. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't want to like, I don't want to fake it. I don't want to be a church that just gathers and goes through the motions. I want to know that God is really here among us. And um, yeah, so, so, so when prophecy is happening, it's actually evidence for our encouragement as a congregation that says, hey, God is here. He's at work. He loves this congregation enough to bless it and wants our growth. I think that, that really frames it for me when I think about prophecy you know, it, th that's what I want. Um, so, so, yeah, so, yeah, I just think it's good to pause on that. Like, I want to say that I want God's presence among us, and I want to know the presence of God among us, and, and not just say it, but to actually experience it, to experience God's redemption and to experience his, his kindness to experience, you know, Jesus said it is for freedom that you have been set free. And how many of us find ourselves in bondage or in patterns or in things that we, you know, we need to grow up from? You know, it's, it, Paul says, uh, grow up so that you can build up. Um, so let's, let's move to our, our, our time of, of application and prayer. So I just have these questions for us. The first one is, is, Father, what am I zealous about? Right now, just ask yourself, what am I zealous about? What is the thing that takes my energy and my enthusiasm? And for me, honestly, it's like music is always that thing. And instruments, and I'm like, I want to I just like be, you know, like practice. You can ask Alessia, like she has to pry me away from practicing music. <laughs> So, my, so I'm like, God, how can you redirect that zeal? How can you, how, I, you know? Um, 
I guess, yeah, I guess I'll share, I'll share this too, is uh, this, you know, I, I play music outside of church, and, um, and it's so life-giving to me because I'm interacting with people that aren't Christians. And this, this month, I had to actually say no to one thing um, because, uh, because of some, some medical things. Um, and I was like, I was kind of sad, you know, I was like, oh, man. This life-giving thing that I'm zealous for is not going to be something that I do this month. But it just happened to be that uh, I was in the right place, and this guy asked me to, to play bass for a, it was a, a church planting conference called Exponential. And I had gone to this about 10 years ago, eight years ago. And, and then it was this thing where God redirected my zeal and allowed me to, to be a part of this, where I'm like, I was there, and you know, there was this, this moment at, on the third day where people were being commissioned to be prayed for, to be sent out, to do things. And I'm like, wow, that's like actually the best usage of music for me. I feel like God was really encouraging me. It's like, hey, I know your gift, Miguel. I know that you love doing this. I know you're passionate about it. Let me just redirect that zeal to this moment where you get to be a part of this, like, this amazing thing. And I couldn't have asked for that. It's just God, like, he opened that door. How about you? Like, what are the things that you're zealous about? And how might God want to redirect that? Uh, Jesus, question number two, am I edifying my fellow body members? Or am I doing, am I doing your will? Or am I sitting on the sidelines? And it's not meant to be condemnation. I just meant, I, I think that this question is like the kindness of God. He knows that when you edify your, your fellow body members, you're going to be edified too. Because they're going to be stronger and you're going to be stronger. It's not about condemnation. Um, question number three, Holy Spirit, are we making enough room for you in our gatherings? In the home group on Sunday? Or are we just plowing through the questions? right, in our home groups? Are we just doing the, the procedures here? Are we getting up? We don't, I don't want dead religion. I don't want to just go through the motions. We want to know God in spirit and in truth, and we want God to be among us, right? Um, question number four. Uh, I put Abba. Abba, how can I grow in the usage of the gift of prophecy? How can I pursue growth in understanding prophecy? Remember, Paul said it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, especially knowing that it, it edifies, it encourages, it brings consolation. Um, maybe we've been fearful about this gift. And maybe God wants to redeem that. And, and the last question, Lord, would you speak to us today? Like maybe God wants to share something with us for our congregation today. Um, on, on Wednesday, we, we, uh, we did, our, we did the, a teaching on prophecy in our gospel academy. And, and Mike said a really, are you here with Mike Thwaites? Yeah. Mike said a really awesome thing. He's like, he's like hey, you know, maybe as we consolidated from two services to one, maybe it's like this thing where it was like, it's a Gideon. There's a story of Gideon 
who in the Old Testament, um, they're about to face a, a, a strong battle and um, they're, they're, they're outnumbered. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think God's like, okay, they started at 3,000, I think maybe. I can't remember. Somebody's going to have to look it up. 10,000? And then they, they dwindle. God like strips away. He's like, nope, too many people, too many people. And I can't remember the last number. Is it 300? 300? So there's 300 people left to go and fight this amazing battle that they end up winning. And I thought that that was a profound, you know, thing that Mike said. Was it prophecy? Maybe. Maybe our church needs to know that, hey, even though we're consolidating the two services, maybe God's doing something intentional about that. Maybe he's preparing us for the battle that's ahead. Um, last night, we were, a few of us were, were hanging out, and we were praying, and I had this picture of, like, and sometimes with prophecy, it's like a, a picture. I don't know. I'm just going to share it. Um, but it was this, this idea of a chessboard. And you know how in, in the chessboard, when the pawn reaches to the other side, it turns into a queen, right? So the pawn, if you, know, if you don't know chess, probably many of you know it way better than I do. But I, my joke is my grandpa used to be so good at chess, he could beat me left-handed. You'll get it later. No, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but so the pawn just moves in like one direction, one square at a time. But the queen has the ability to go many spaces, like unlimited spaces, uh, as, as, as the, the piece wills. And I was thinking like, man, what if we're like little pawns? What if we think that we're pawns as Solano Church? But God is telling us, hey, you've actually reached the other side and you have the ability of like the queen's movement with the authority of God and the authority of, of, of his blood and his Holy Spirit. Like what if God wants to activate those things and to, to have us stop thinking we're just mere pawns. Now, we're servants of God. Like we surrender all of that to him. It's not like we're going to go and be cavalier about, you know, God's things. We still have to, to yield and to God. But what if we've been operating in this old system where like, oh, I'm just, I can only do one square at a time. I'm sorry. But God's like, no, no, no. I've given you the gifts. I've given you my spirit. I've given you, you don't have to operate in the pond world anymore, you know? Um, so, yeah. So that's it. We're going to sing a song and, um, and I just pray that, that God just continues the work that he's doing. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for us. Uh, and then Dan and, and, and Keith, yeah, if you can. Um, yeah, God, thank you so much for uh, just how faithful you are, Lord, and how there are, it, it's, it, it's infinite growth of knowing your character um, you know, I, I'm 37, Lord, and just now am I, I, I've tasted this gift of prophecy. I've known that, but um, God, I, I just keep desiring it. And, and as I see it in your scripture, Lord, it seems to be a good thing. And, and you are infinite, Lord, and your, infin your goodness is infinite. And um, 
And while we're here on this earth, Lord, we, we, you've given us certain tools, certain things that you want us to be and live in. And uh, I, I just pray that if it's your will, God, to, to keep activating us, keep pouring yourself out upon us, God. Um, would you, if we're living in that pawn world, God, make us the, the queen, you know, the queen's, give us the queen's movement, that, that, that movement, to, the ability to, to, to see from far away and to be in that, in that kind of offense even. Um, God, it's, it's, we want to make ourselves ready for, for not just building up, but even the battle, God. And we know that we, we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, Lord. We know that this church is more than just people coming together to sing. There are heavenly things that are happening, God. Pray that, pray that you would be, as it says in your Psalms, enthroned upon the praises of your people. And that praise would actually be a, a, a tool of war, um, one that is beautiful because it, it lifts you up, God, but it does things in, in the spiritual world. And help us to be full of thanksgiving, God. Help us to be full of amens to other people's thanksgiving. God, we help us th there to be interaction. Um, God, just move among us and, and, and take us to the next level um, for our church, God, in, in 2023. Um, we need you, God. We want you. We know that you are good. You're a great builder, God and you're building your church. In Jesus' name, amen.